It is really a treat to get to be with you at C4 today. As Lori said, my name is Rick Reed, and we're here with my wife, Linda. Known about your church for a long time. Uh, as Lori said, I was part of the AGC. I was a pastor in Ottawa. No Pastor John and some of your team. Uh, I was with Chris recently at a conference where he was leading, and I was speaking. And So it's great to be here. Lori was a real breath of fresh air when I got to the school she had been there doing some excellent work for us, so thank you, Lori. It's great to see you again. And I'm, on, I'm honored to get to be part of a series that you are doing in the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to be in chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. So would you take a Bible and join me there? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today, verses 1 to 6. As we start, I want to tell you about a conversation that I remember that wasn't an easy one. The conversation I'm thinking about was one that had been draining and difficult for both of us. We were friends. Uh, He and I were friends. In fact, uh, we were long-term friends. We had a lot in common. We went to the same church, lived in the same town, knew lots of the same people. Both had taught in the public school. Both loved music. In fact, he had been to me really like an older brother. He had been a mentor. Somebody I looked up to. But the conversation that we were having on this day was not an easy one. It was painful for both of us. Because today we weren't talking about something that we had in common. We were talking about something that we didn't have in common. My friend was telling me that he was gay, and I wasn't. And as we had this conversation, it actually was multiple conversations over a length of time, he began to tell me about some of the hurt and the anger he felt towards the church. He began to speak of the many times he had felt rejected, condemned by people who called themselves Christians. And he wondered out loud, he said, why can't my beliefs, my behavior, why can't what I am and what I do be seen as another valid option? Why can't you just say you have your truth and I have my truth? Why are Christians so judgmental? Why are Christians so intolerant? Tolerance. That's what he was asking for. Tolerance. Tolerance is one of the chief virtues in our day. In fact, it's a defining value of our age, isn't it? Tolerance. And here in Canada, that's a huge part of how we see who we are. In fact, uh, some years ago, a professor from the University of Ottawa, the town where I was at, was quoted in the Montreal Gazette as saying this. I'll read it to you. He said this, our idea is that to be a virtuous citizen, speaking of Canada, our idea is to be a virtuous citizen, is to be one who tolerates everything but intolerance. See what he's saying? Our idea of a virtuous citizen, this is our vision for our country, is that you would be one who tolerates everything but intolerance. 
Tolerance is good. Intolerance is bad. In fact, intolerance is not just a social blunder. It is a cultural crime where you and I live. And what do we mean by tolerance? Well, what does our society mean by tolerance? There's a Spanish philosopher, a guy named Fernando Savitar, who has given a definition of tolerance that I think would be widely accepted by the people you work with, the people you live by. This is what Savitar said about tolerance. Listen to it. Tolerance, the doctrine in vogue, is that all opinions are equal. Each one has its point, and all should be respected and praised. Do you get what he's saying? Tolerance is the view that all opinions are equal. Each has its points, and all should be respected and praised. Now, my friends, that is a newer version of what tolerance means. That is a newer definition. There was a prior definition of what tolerance meant. The old definition of tolerance was this. The old definition of tolerance was that everyone has the right to his or her opinion. That was kind of what it was for many years. Everyone has the right to his or her opinion. The newer version of tolerance is this. Everyone's opinion is right. Now, do you see the difference between that? Everyone has the right to his or her opinion, but now it's everyone's opinion is right. And under that newer definition of tolerance, everyone's opinion is right, Christians often get bad marks, failing grades. In fact, people will quote to us our own Bible. They'll say, well, wait a second. Didn't Jesus say something about not judging? Didn't Jesus say, do not judge so you will not be judged? So what's with you guys? Why are you so judgmental? Why are you so intolerant? I think that's a good question. I think that's a fair question. And it's the question that's going to be addressed in the passage that we look at today. Today, as we continue the series here at C4 on Your Kingdom Come, taken on the Sermon on the Mount, today we come to Matthew chapter 7. And in verses 1 to 6, Jesus actually answers some of what people are asking about this whole thing on judgmentalism or tolerance. Today, we're going to deal with this question. Why do Christians sometimes seem so intolerant of other people's beliefs and behaviors? Is that what we're supposed to be? What did Jesus want from us? What does Jesus expect from you, from me, from us, from C4? Today we're going to look at that as we look at His Word together. We're going to ask Him to give us a clear vision of what He wants us to be and do in a very pluralistic, multicultural, multi-belief society like ours. That's where we're headed. But to get there, we're going to need His help. And I always like to pray before we open God's book and look at it. So would you join me and bow your heart with mine, and I'm going to invite the Lord to help me and help us to understand His Word and apply it personally. Let's let's pray. Father in heaven, we all know and love people around us who differ widely in their understandings of what makes a good life. And Lord, we we want to somehow be faithful to you and yet engaged with them. We know that's what Jesus did. Lord, sometimes we're clumsy in how we do this. Sometimes we're confused on how we should do this. So today, would you use your word in our lives, shape our thinking, empower our living so that we reflect the Lord Jesus, his heart, his word, his grace, his truth right where we live. And I pray this for the good of his name and the spread of his gospel and his church. Amen. 
Look with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Follow along, please. Jesus says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all of the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Those words of Jesus really address the issue that we're talking about. Why, why does it seem that Christians are often so judgmental, so intolerant? This morning, what I want us to do is kind of work our way closely through those verses and come up with several answers because Jesus gives them. Why, are, why do Christians sometimes seem intolerant? Well, verses 1 and 2 give you the first reason. It tells you why sometimes this is the case. I, I'd phrase it this way. Verses 1 and 2 are going to tell us this. Christians seem intolerant when we become demeaning instead of discerning. Christians seem intolerant whenever we become demeaning instead of discerning. Look with me. You'll see where it comes out. Verse 1, Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. Do not judge or you too will be judged. He says, do not judge. Well, what does that mean? What did Jesus mean when he said, do not judge? Well, the word judge, both in the original language Greek and as well as in English, basically has the idea of to evaluate. When you talk about judging something, you're evaluating it. But here's the deal. That word judge can be used with a positive spin or it can be used with a negative spin. It goes both ways, right? The nuancing of that word can be positive or negative. For example, positive. We use the word judge positively when we talk about being discerning. Like we'll say something like this. We'll say, uh, hey, listen, just, just use your best judgment. Now, that's a positive thing, right? We're saying use your best judgment. Be discerning on it. Or, or if we say something like, uh, you, you know, Susan, she has an incredible ability. She is a great judge of character. She's a great judge of character. We mean that as a compliment, right? She's discerning. So the word judge can mean to evaluate, but in a discerning way. But here's the deal. The same word can have a negative spin to it, a negative nuance. It can mean to evaluate in a demeaning way. This is where the idea we get what it says, do not be so judgmental. And here the idea is you're being critical, condemning, right, caustic, cynical, kind of looking down on other people. So here's my question for you. When Jesus says in verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged, in what sense is he using the word? Is he using the positive or the negative? What does he mean by that? Do you think Jesus is saying, do not be discerning? Think that's what he's saying? Where I'm from, we go like this for yes and this like no. So, so what do you think? Do you think Jesus is saying, do not be discerning? Like I'd go like this on that one, right? How do we know that? Well, if he means do not be discerning, then he violates his own teaching just a few verses later. Look down at verse uh, like 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, 
you will recognize them. So Jesus is saying there's a whole bunch of people out there claiming to speak for a God, right? They're prophets. But don't be hoodwinked. By their fruit, you will know them. Be discerning. So when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying don't be discerning. So what is he, what is he saying? He's saying don't be demeaning. Like don't be looking down on others. Don't be critical, fault-finding, quick to, to put people down. Don't do that, he says. In fact, the same nuance comes out in Paul's writing. Listen to this verse, Romans 14, verse 10. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? There's the same word, but listen to what comes next. Why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Do you see the feel of judge there? It's con- having contempt towards people, looking down on them, I think the uh, translation says. So when Jesus says, do not judge, you know what he's saying? He's saying, don't don't be demeaning of people. Don't look down on them. Don't treat them with contempt. Yes, be discerning, but not demeaning. Now, here's where Christians sometimes get into problems. We forget the, the distinction there, and we become demeaning towards people, putting people down, criticizing people in a way that makes them feel kind of belittled, and they look at us and say, why are you so judgmental? But it doesn't have to be that way. You can be discerning without being demeaning. Let me give you an example. Almost a little over 20 years ago, 1994, February 3rd, so almost like 21 years ago tomorrow, right? Mother Teresa spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And there seated in the front rows were President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore, and a host of their uh, leaders who were not in favor of any limitations or limiting a woman's right to choose an abortion. They were pro-choice, right? So here comes little Mother Teresa to speak to them. You can go on and read the transcript of her speech. It's an amazing speech. She looks at these people of power and says to them, abortion is a tragedy. It's killing babies. And then she says, Give me, if you don't want the children, give them to me. I'll take care of them. And these powerful people who disagreed with her, squirming in their front seats, kind of feeling a little bit awkward, never felt that little Mother Teresa up there was demeaning them because her attitude, her approach was not critical and condemning, though it was discerning. And if you and I will learn to have a compassionate heart We're much less likely to be seen as judgmental and tolerant, even though we say things that perhaps the people seated right in front of us would say, well, I disagree with that. But when we forget that, when we become demeaning and caustic and we're quick to criticize people and our attitude is not right, then verse 2, Jesus says, we'll expect it to come back to you the way you dish it out. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, for in the same way, the same attitude, with the attitude you judge others, you will be judged. So if you're going to be critical and condemning of others, guess what you're going to get back? You're going to get a lot of criticism, condemnation back your way. And one of the reasons the Christians, those of us who love Jesus, sometimes get a wrong reputation is we've forgotten the distinction between being demeaning and discerning. Discerning, yes. Demeaning, never. That's part of the answer. Why are Christians sometimes seen as intolerant? It's because we sometimes are demeaning rather than discerning. But let me give you a second reason. Jesus points it out in verses 3 and 4. 
A second reason why Christians can sometimes be seen as intolerant is this. Christians are seen as tolerant when we lose sight of our own failings, when we lose sight of our own failings, when we lose sight of the stuff we got going and we focus on other people's stuff, that's when we become seen as intolerant and judgmental. Look at verse 3. You'll see it. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all of the time there's a plank in your own eye? Anybody who says Jesus didn't have a sense of humor has never seriously thought about these verses, right? Because he's, he's painting a picture, a word picture that is ludicrous, that's exaggerated, that's humorous. Here's the picture, right? Somebody's coming up to someone else and going, hey, listen, man, I think you've got a little sawdust in your eye. Let me help you get that sawdust out. And as they come up, they've got a timber beam, you know, like something you'd use to build a house. They got that coming out of their eye. Now, Jesus must have had people smiling when he said that, but he got them thinking when he said that, right? It was like a way to get their attention. Essentially, what he's saying is this, do not be eagle-eyed when it comes to seeing other people's faults and blind as a bat when it comes to seeing yours. Now, Christians don't have a corner on doing this. Like, this is pretty human, that we point out the faults in others and don't see our own. That's, that goes across the board. But sometimes we do the same thing. We get really clear at seeing the problems out there in other people and very cloudy when it comes to seeing our own. It's very human of us, and unfortunately, we Christians, we struggle with that too. I have a friend uh, named Keith Zafrin who one time was telling me uh, kind of a way, he put it in words that I've never forgotten. He said, we tend to make a distinction between them, you, and me. He says, them, those people out there that aren't like me and who don't like me, we treat them one way. You, you're people who are kind of like me, and maybe you even like me and treat you a little better. And then me, well, I really like me, and I am like me, and so I go pretty easy on me. So this is what Keith said. He goes, this is how it works. When we're talking about them, we say something like this. You know, they are a bunch of elitist snobs. They just always think they have to buy the best stuff to impress everyone with how much they got. They're wearing their wealth on their bodies and in their homes. They're a bunch of snobs who are all into materialistic stuff. That's who they are. Now, you, you're people like me and who may be like me. I said, well, you, well, sometimes you get a little too fashion conscious. That's true. Some of you are a little too into brand names and uh, designer labels. That's true. But me... No, no, I just buy quality. That's what I'm about, right? <laughs> See the difference there? Here's another one. They, those people out there, they said they were going to do something. They didn't do it. They lied through their teeth. You, you said you were going to do it, and you messed up. You didn't do it. Come on, you should have done better than that. Me, I said I was going to do something. I didn't do it. Well, listen, I just forgot. Give me a break. I think what Jesus is saying here is Christians will seem judgmental and intolerant whenever we're quick to point out the faults in them or even in you and slow to let the stuff happen that happens to me, right? Don't see the, the beam in my own eyes. Scripture is quite clear that we are to begin 
our assessment, with God's help, where to begin with us? Me personally, and then with us as believers. 1 Peter 4.17 says, judgment is to begin within the family of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.31, he says, if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. In other words, we as believers are to be people who allow the Holy Spirit to examine us in our eyes and then even to speak to one another. Romans 15 calls us to admonish one another. But whenever we as a church or whenever I as a person or you as a person get pretty smug and thinking that we're fine and it's the people out there that are all messed up, guess what they're going to say to us? They're going to say you're a bunch of intolerance. Jesus would actually have a different word for us. Verse 5, Jesus would call us hypocrites. Do you see that in verse 5? You hypocrite. So whenever I get high and mighty and somehow deflect any thought that maybe there's some issues with me and I'm quick to point them out in you or especially in them, whoever they are, we're going to seem intolerant. We're judgmental. Jesus said that's not right. So Christians can seem intolerant when we become demeaning instead of discerning, when we lose sight of our own failings. Let me give you a third reason. It shows up in verse 5. I just alluded to verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want us to stop here on this verse. Let me read it again. Follow along. Look at it closely. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. You know how, what I would say we learn from that? Follow this one with me. Christians seem intolerant, judgmental. Here's the third thing. We seem intolerant because we have a clear vision of a healthy life. One of the reasons we're going to be seen as intolerant and judgmental is, according to Jesus, we're to be people who have a clear vision of what a healthy life looks like. See, I I say in verse 5, Jesus is making it clear that he has a vision of how life is supposed to be. You're not supposed to have sawdust in your eye. You're not supposed to have a plank in your eye. And Jesus is implying that his followers understand that there is a vision for life that says some things are good and some things not so much. In fact, some things are just downright evil and harmful and and fatal. And whenever Christians are true to Jesus and we have a clear vision of what a healthy life looks like, there's going to be some people who cry foul and say you're intolerant. Because remember, our society... Fernando Salvador, Spanish philosopher, our society lives by this this view. Tolerance, the doctrine in vogue, is that all opinions are equal. Each has its place and all should be respected and praised. He's saying that there is no one vision for a healthy life. There is no universal vision for how people should live. In other words, if you want to have sawdust in your eye, well, then why should I possibly say that that's not a good thing? You want to have wood in your eye? Well, good on you. Because we need to tolerate each other. And Christians at that point stand up and say, no, wait a second, time out. We, we don't go with that. We actually believe there is a clear vision of a healthy life. That the God who made us actually knows what will best allow humans to flourish. The designer knows how we are designed. And the designer tells us these are good things, these are bad things. And we believe there is a vision for a healthy life. In fact, we believe that Jesus 
Jesus came to show and to tell what that vision is. Jesus painted a picture to say, this is what God intended human life to look like at its best. In fact, you've been studying. I was kind of on your website looking at a little bit at some of the uh, sermons that led up to today. You've been studying your way through this wonderful sermon that Jesus gave. And you could look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You could look at it as a bit of Jesus' vision of what a healthy life looks like, what pleases God and what helps you. Turn the page back to chapter 5. Let me remind you of Jesus' vision for a healthy life. Jesus is going to show you in chapter 5, 6, and 7 what a healthy life looks like. For example, he's going to say in verse 21 and following, a healthy life is one that not only gives way, it doesn't give way to murder, it doesn't allow anger to stay put. Jesus says anger is toxic, and if you don't get rid of anger, you're, it's going to hurt you going to hurt others. Verse 27 of chapter 5, he says, he said that lust, lust will destroy you. He doesn't just say, well, lust, that's kind of your thing. If you're into pornography or whatever, that's kind of a private deal. It's yours. Jesus says, no, 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 that, that, that'll ruin you now and forever. He has a vision of what healthy life is to look like that pleases God. Then he goes on in verse 31 to say in marriage, Jesus' vision of marriage is that a man and woman stay married. They don't, it's not disposable. They don't walk away from their vows. Verse 33, he has a vision that says when you give your word for something, you keep your word. Verse 38, his vision of a healthy life is that we're not people who demand an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but that we forgive. We're gracious. Verse 43, we even love our enemies. We love the people who don't love us. Chapter 6, he says, a vision for a healthy life is where people practice their righteousness, but they don't, go, they don't go blowing their own horn about it. They just kind of go about quietly doing what God wants, and they let Him reward them. And then, as, as, as you looked at last week, his vision for a healthy life, we see in verses 19 all the way down to 34, he says, their vision for a healthy life is they trust God. They don't get so worked up about the stuff of earth. They know they need it. God knows they need it. They pray about it. They seek first his kingdom. See, here's what Jesus is telling you in all of that. There are actually two virtues that come out of our passage, chapter 7, verse 5, two virtues that trump tolerance in Jesus' view. There are two things that are more important than tolerance, according to chapter 7, verse 5. We've just seen one of them. Jesus would say this, it's more important to be healthy than tolerant. See what he's saying? He's saying, listen, listen, it's not that it, yes, we should be gracious to each other, but it's more important to be healthy than tolerant. And Jesus saying, these are the things that make a person healthy towards God, right with God, when they trust in Him, when they live in His way, and that trumps tolerance. Tolerance is not the chief virtue in Jesus' pantheon of virtues. He'd say it's better to be healthy than to be tolerant. That's why Jesus doesn't tolerate sinful behavior, because he says it's going to destroy you. And Christians will sometimes be seen as judgmental because we stand with Jesus and we say, wait a second, we do have a vision of a healthy life. We believe God knows better than all of us together. God designed us, and Jesus spoke it. And we're going to go with him because we believe his way is the way to life. And it's better to be healthy than to be tolerant. Our society would say, no, 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 just let everybody choose what they want and do what they want. And we'd say, no, it's better to be healthy than to be tolerant. Some years ago, I put in a new porch light uh, in our home in Ottawa. And I, 
And for me, like, that's Herculean. To do that, that household project was like a major, I still remember it because I don't do a lot of that stuff, right? In fact, one of my professors in seminary, I've quoted him many times, he used to stand in front of our class and go, see these? Purely ornamental. <laughs> so anyway, here I am, Mr. Purely Ornamental, trying to put a porch light in our, in our house. And I read the directions, and it said, turn off all power. That seemed like a pretty good idea, so I turned off the power. And it said, connect white wires to white wires, black wires to black wires. And I'm thinking, that sounds like a good idea. So I followed it. But imagine I would have said, wow, that is really intolerant. Whoever wrote this is like so narrow. Why do you have to turn off the power? That's a nuisance. I don't want to turn off the power. And what's this thing about white going to white, black going to black? I'm into like mixing the colors up. In other words, you can chart your own way. You can do your own thing, but that doesn't mean you're going to move your way towards health and wholeness and flourishing. And Jesus is saying, wait a second. I'm going to tell you the truth because it's more important to be healthy than to be tolerant. Christians believe that. But there's a second value that comes. If you look back at chapter 7, verse 5, Did you notice that Jesus said this? Chapter 7, verse 5. Look at it with me. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Did you know that Jesus there said, you're supposed to help your brother? Like, you don't just live for yourself. You are your brother's keeper. Yeah, deal with your own stuff first, but then you're supposed to help your brother. And here's the second value that trumps tolerance. Jesus is saying it's more important to be healthy than tolerant. But now he's saying this. It's more important to be loving than to be tolerant. Right? It's more important to be loving than tolerant. Because Jesus is saying, look, your brother's got sawdust in his eye. You're not to stand back and just go, well, live and let live. Maybe he likes sawdust in his eye. You're, You're actually to risk his displeasure to say, hey man, it looks, like, it looks like you got something going on in your eye, and I've had that. In fact, I had it way worse than you do. And God has helped me deal with the stuff that's been in my eye, and he can help you with what's in your eye too. See, love actually moves towards another for their good, even at the moments when we're not sure they're going to feel it, it's good. Love says to another person, I really want the best for you. And I, and I believe firmly with all my heart that Jesus has a vision for a healthy life and having wood in your eye is not really a healthy thing for you. And I'd, love to, I'd love to see Jesus help you get that out of your eye. He's been doing that for me. See, Christians believe that tolerance is an important thing, that we do understand that people do have the right to their own opinion. God's given us that freedom. But we believe, we believe with all our heart that being healthy is more important than being tolerant and that God knows what healthy is like. So we stand by that. And we also believe that being loving is more important than being tolerant. And so we move towards people at times and we speak out words. And sometimes people say, I don't like that. You're judgmental. You're intolerant. When actually it's just that we have a clear vision of what life is supposed to be like and we actually love them. So why are Christians sometimes seen as intolerant? First, our bad, we sometimes get demeaning instead of being discerning. Secondly, our bad, we sometimes lose sight of our own failings. Third, 
this is not our bad, it's just the way it is. We actually have a clear vision of a healthy life given to us by Jesus. And some people won't like that. In fact, that leads me to the fourth reason that Jesus says, why are Christians sometimes seen as intolerant? Verse 6 gives you the fourth reason. I'd put it this way. Christians seem intolerant to people who can't tolerate God's truth. Christians will seem intolerant to some people because they can't tolerate God's truth. They don't want it. Look at verse 6. You'll see it. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus is talking there about truth, right? Pearls are the pearls of truth. And he's saying, look, there's some people out there, they don't want any bit of it. I know it's a pearl, they don't want it. Back in Jesus' day, the dogs that he talks about were not little cuddly pets, not Fido, okay? The dogs were pretty much kind of semi-wild hounds that ran around scavenging. They weren't friendly. And the pigs were seen as an unclean animal in his culture. So when he says dogs and pigs, he's talking about people who have no regard for the sacred, who don't want any piece of God's truth. And and the picture that he paints here is of somebody who's cornered by these kind of wild dogs and these pigs, and he's cornered, and they're coming at him, and all he has is a bag of pearls. And he's thinking, well, maybe this will distract him. And he sprinkles the pearls on the ground, and the animals come up thinking maybe it's food, and they look at that, and they don't want that pearls. You can't eat that. They trample those, and then they go after him and tear him up. And Jesus says, you live in a world where there will be people who will trample on the pearls of truth that God has given and they're coming after you. That's what they did to him. Jesus, who loved all people, who reached out to all people, who brought them God's truth, what did they do? They trampled the truth that he spoke, and then they tore him to pieces and nailed him to a cross. And he's telling you that if you're going to follow him, if you're going to be someone who speaks truth, even in love, as Jesus did, there will be some who cannot tolerate truth. It's ironic, in a land where we say we tolerate everything but intolerance, there are some who become intolerant of anything that seems to lean towards God's truth. So what do you do with all that? What are you supposed to do with this? Well, let me close by giving you several admonitions as my brothers and sisters. What do I do with this? What do you have to do with it? Here's where I'd start. I need to start by going to God and asking in this, Lord, Would you start with me? Would you let me look in the mirror of your word and let me see my own eyes? Do I I have some planks in there right now? Are there things that I'm just totally missing? I'm seeing them in other people, Lord, but let me just look at me. And right now I'm going to just invite you not to be thinking about your spouse on either side or your friends or your neighbors, but just you. In a moment, I'm going to give you a moment just to pray and say, Jesus, is there something that you need to talk to me about? Because judgment starts in the family of God. It starts with me. That's the first thing. Second thing, I think if you're going to navigate this world and live as a follower of Jesus, you need to be clear on his truth. You need to understand Jesus' vision for a healthy life. That's why it's so good you come here on Sundays and hear the teaching of God's word. That's why it's so good you study the Bible on Mondays and read it. By the way, that's why we exist as a school You know what we are passionate about? We're passionate about on a college level, tends to be younger people coming out of high school. We're passionate about helping them, even in one year or in a whole degree program, helping them get so clear on the Bible and a worldview for Christ that they'll be able to navigate their way in a culture that's going to be very increasingly difficult. 
That's what we're about. And then we're training some of them to be pastors and missionaries. We are about equipping people to know God's truth and speak it in a winsome way. So know it. Let God's truth and his vision for your life captivate your soul. And then here's the last thing I'd say. Never, never stop pointing people to Jesus who is the truth. Whether, even if some people get mad at you for doing it, even if they call you judgmental for doing that or intolerant, never back away from saying, listen, Jesus came and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life and the love that I have for you compels me to tell you this even, even if I'm risking right now a pretty awkward conversation like the one I told you I started this whole morning with. I'm still going to speak the truth. I'm going to lean into you. I'm not going to be critical or condemning. Who am I to condemn you? I know my own sins. I know my own failings. In fact, the only thing I got going for me is that I've come to trust in Jesus who took all of my sins, who took all of my lust and all of my anger and all of my greed and all of the things that made me unhealthy and wrong before God, and he paid for them all when he died for me on the cross. That's the only thing I got going for me, and I'm just inviting you to get in on it too. And I'm going to keep pointing you to Jesus, not pointing you to me. I'm not telling you to live like me. I'm just saying come to Jesus and let him show you the way to life and truth. And never back away from that, my brothers and sisters. It's the only message that gives people hope. We got a whole society of people walking around with eyes filled with sawdust, and they don't know how to get it out. And we are those who said, I had that exact same problem. And I know a great physician. And he did some spiritual surgery in me that has changed me on the inside And I know this could make a little awkwardness between you, but I love you, and if you are my friend, i got to tell you. A couple days ago in my office, I had a man from our our town who's not a follower of Jesus, and he was sitting down with me, and and we've talked about Christ before, and he's kind of pushed me away, and, and I sat there, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, I said his name, and I said, I've been praying for you because you're my friend. And then I got to tell him about Jesus. And he listened politely, still not believing it yet. But he sensed that I love him. And I'm going to speak the truth because I want the best for him. And that's what, and the best for him is Jesus. So start with myself, but don't stop with others. Lean towards them. In fact, as as we close today, the worship band's going to come and give us a final song to sing to the Lord. But would you just bow your heart quietly? And would you do two things? Would you first of all ask the Lord to do a little eye inspection on you? Not on somebody else right now, but on you. Are there planks there that are making your words seem ridiculously hypocritical? Are there things that Jesus wants to deal with in your life right now? Would you invite him by his spirit to do that? And then secondly, here's the second thing. If you are here today and you've never yet really come to know Jesus... You're still on the outside looking in. Would you be willing to come to him as the great physician, as the savior of the world, as the one who knows that he can fix what you cannot fix? Would you be willing right now to offer a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I'm broken, I'm sinful. Would you come and heal me, forgive me, live in me, change me? 
give myself to you. Would you make him that, would you make that your prayer today? Let's all pray quietly and then the, then the worship band is going to lead us as we sing our praise to him. Let's pray. Let's pray.